Hey folks, it's uh, episode 14 of CC's Word. I'm excited about my guest today, Mr. Uh, Keenan Pellegrino. Uh, Mr. Pellegrino is running for U.S. House in Alabama's 6th District, and uh, he's running on a platform that I uh, am very excited about, many great policies. His key policy being ranked choice voting, which is something that I have spoken a lot about on the show here, and uh, it's something that I have done a lot of work in my free time and volunteered uh, toward hopefully getting that implemented within our state um, as it is slowly something that is uh, being considered in state houses around the United States. I think it's something that should be considered on a federal level, um, and it certainly is something that could be considered here in the state of Alabama. Mr. Uh, Pellegrino is running uh, out of Calera, and he is, uh, as a, he's running as an independent against uh, current Republican uh, House Representative Gary Palmer, who is a uh, current representative for District 6. Uh, say what you will about Mr. Palmer, but uh, policy-wise is, uh, you know, always the critiques I make. And uh, I'll say this, Mr. Keenan Pellegrino uh, is someone that I am certainly uh, considering uh, giving my vote to. And I hope that you guys consider too uh, after this conversation. But as always, I encourage you to do your own research and uh, look over uh, his platform and really give me an idea of, or give yourself an idea, I should say, of, uh, of whether or not this is someone you really want to put your vote toward and uh, perhaps uh, perhaps make a U.S. representative if we can get an independent elected here in the red ocean that is Alabama. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and uh, I'll see you next week. Have a good one. All right. Well, what's going on, folks? This is uh, another episode of CC Tour, and uh, I'm very excited to have Kanan Pellegrino with me today and uh canyon is running for uh u.s house um the alabama sixth district and uh, i'm excited to have him on the show with me today and uh why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to the uh to the crowd canyon um, all right my name's uh canyon pellegrino i just turned 25 illegally to run for house on the 20th august um i am half puerto rican from or from uh, florida and I have a four-year-old little girl named Kimberly. Gotcha. So, um, you know, off the back, I want to just go ahead and kind of get into, you know, what are the the policies, kind of the main ones. I know, you know, I, I've already I already know what you're going for, but to let the crowd know, you know, what are the main policies you're going for this this election? Absolutely. So, um, our primary policy is, um ranked choice voting there's a lot of issues with our current two-party system it's it's the lesser two evils and beyond that it's well do they stand for everything i stand for do i have to just kind of compromise and take what they give because the other person's worse off and um ranked choice voting kind of gives you an escape from that um there's a good analogy that i i heard uh if uh let's say that you know you're doing a vote for your favorite pet, right? And um, obviously dogs and cats will be in that running. I mean, everyone likes dogs and cats, right? But I like turtles, okay? So if I just throw in turtle in a two-party vote or just a vote like we have now, everyone's going to say it's a throwaway vote and it's not going to mean anything, which unfortunately is mostly true. However, with the ranked choice voting, Every vote matters because what it does is you take all the votes, and if you don't have at least if you don't have a majority vote over 
present. The flat or the uh, candidate with the lowest amount of votes is removed from the um, the equation. And say I put turtles number one, dogs number two, cats number three. And turtles loses. Well, now my vote is going to go to dogs instead. And if dog has more than fifty percent, now dog won, meaning that my vote did matter, no matter how I vote. Because I put my choice, my choice was eliminated, I got my second choice. It gives you more freedom and more of a, a realization that we can take back our country by putting in people that we feel should be in there. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Oh, well, yeah. The other two platforms that we're really big on right now, the ones that I've been passionate about for a long time, are a four-for-four four college system. Where if you um, complete a four-year degree, whether you, it takes more than four years or less than four years, you complete a four-year degree, we will, probably the government would forgive up to four years of your student loans. It gives more students an incentive to go to school. It gives more students an incentive to finish school, and it would help out with those lower-income um, citizens that couldn't afford to go to school uh, before that. The long goal is hopefully finding a way to make it to where uh, higher education is free, but free is a scary word. So for now, we're looking at forgiveness. Absolutely. And the third one that we're really, really adamant on, uh, yeah, sorry, we're really, really adamant on is common sense gun laws. Um, because I, I'm an army brat. I feel that guns are a thing that Americans have the right to hold. However, some people really don't need weapons. Some people have never been evaluated by a professional to say that they have no mental illness, they have no um, aggressive tendencies, and that they're safe with a weapon. And those are the same people that are more than likely causing these mass school shootings and these mass shooting situations that are taking innocent lives. Um, we have other policies like um, a, a healthcare option, a public healthcare option. Um, the legalization and hopefully um, minimization of abortion and the decriminalization of marijuana. Several other three big ones are four for four, uh, common sense gun laws, and um, ranked choice voting. Absolutely. And you know, the, the part about the, the abortion, um, you know, so legalizing it and, you know, minimizing it. That's something that I believe is very possible. And, you know, being in the South, uh, it seems like when, when people have, you know, when people have that abortion conversation, there's, you know, mostly kind of a religious belief aspect and whether or not, you know, it's moral or not. And, you know, I, um, I feel that the idea of, uh, you know, early, uh, like perhaps in my opinion, perhaps like before a heartbeat, um, but you know those uh, abortions like around that time of the uh, pregnancy, I feel like should definitely be legal. And the I hundred percent believe that like it would lead to a situation where people you know don't do that as much because you can also start to you know investing into more of like a family planning type of uh, you know community support to help people you know. Um, 
and low income areas that lead, you know, more to getting an abortion uh, could be in a situation where they ha- are prepared to, you know, have safe sex or, you know, plan out a family in a way that's really, um, you know, best for them financially. and why it's so prevalent in certain areas. And it all comes back to um, inadequacies in sex, sex education and the availability of uh, protection. We don't have enough um, sex education, especially in inner city schools. It's not talked about enough. It is avoided entirely. And um, there isn't really very much um, access to um, pregnancy control. So instead of having students know you know what actually can be done to uh, stop it now obviously you know everyone knows you have sex there's a possibility to have a child however not everyone actually knows the depths of what it goes into um what all the implications are what all it could do to you what all can be done to prevent it it's just sex causes for kids but um if we were to one big thing i want to do to it you know kind of enhance that minimize abortion is increase funding in inner city schools increase the access of, um, you know, set up pregnancy control, increase the access of um, abortions, but make them legal and safe to where hopefully no one really needs them. And finally, um, revamp the foster system because the, one of the biggest arguments I hear is, well, there are so many children in the foster care system. Why should I put another child through that? that that's fair, but that's not really the best argument when we can fix the foster care system so these children aren't stuck. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think that's way, that's something that's um, always, uh, when, when people here in the South that are more conservative bring that up, I'm always like, I feel like it's a political battle that's been lost, you know, 40 years ago. But they, they keep trying to bring it back and it's something that's very hard because, I mean, the idea of overturning Roe there has to be, you know, proof that like something has significantly changed, right? To be able to change the, you know, the uh, ruling, and just that just hasn't happened. And every state, I feel like, tries to do that. And of course, our state's one of those that that does do that. Um, and, and another thing, you know, I mean, marijuana is, is something that I do believe it should certainly be legal in the state of Alabama. If, but that's something that's probably way out. But at least on a federal level taking it off the controlled substance list and something Congress could do. You know, um, tell me a little bit more about that, uh, kind of how you feel about that. So, personally, I I am very anti-drugs. My, uh, my uncle passed away. He overdosed and died a couple years back. Um, I've lost many friends to drugs. I've lost a few family members to drugs. Drugs are not a very big thing for me. However, the war on drugs is just like the war on terrorism. The war on terrorism will never be a war we can win because we're fighting an ideal. It's not like we're going out there fighting people. I could wake up tomorrow and believe that, you know, this is terrible and start causing terror. That's terrorism. It's not any one specific person. It's the ideology. You can't win that. The war on drugs, people aren't just going to stop taking drugs. People are going to continue to, to break the law and do it. And all we're doing is causing more and more criminals, like criminalizations of, sorry, we're causing more criminals to appear because we're making people criminals. If we ended the war on drugs, 
looked at ways to increase rehabilitation, looked on ways to help people get out of needing them, and decriminalizing marijuana, because marijuana, in my professional, personal, and situational opinion, is a plant, not a drug. Um, it would benefit our country greatly. Beyond that, decriminalizing marijuana and creating a brand new uh, industry would not only A, help us rid this terrible debt, but B, help us out with getting away from medical medications that are causing side effects that are affecting people's lives, um, such as uh, depression, manic, uh, manic episodes, uh, various eating disorders, various um, mental disorders. And I'm trying to think of some other things that um, overdose, addiction. <laughs> I just, I feel like marijuana would be a saving grace to a lot of people. And as an army brat, I know a lot of soldiers who definitely benefited from it. Damn. So, um, you know, obviously with the times we're in, when I look at Congress, man, I, I look at the fact that, you know, we saw the CARES Act pass at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, we call it. And then um, that, you know, was essentially, you know, billions of dollars that went to Wall Street and corporations for bailouts. And um, American people got $1,200 plus a little bit unemployment insurance that expired in August. And then they have yet to do anything really about it. And the president did an executive order that, uh, or signed an executive order, I should say, that was um, more symbolic than actually, um, you know, being able to do anything because it relied on the states to give, I think, about 20% or so, 25% extra on the unemployment. They couldn't do it. Many of them couldn't do it. Um, and now, you know, he did the eviction moratorium, so we do give credit to the president for that. Congress has done nothing. But um, how do you feel, man, about where we should go when it comes to COVID relief? Um, and just kind of give me some ideas or maybe policies you're, you're considering of what you would want to push for for that. One thing I've, I've read a lot on constantly is just on the, the topic Congress not doing anything is that Republicans and Democrats are fighting about whether they should give 0.5 um, trillion or 2 trillion. And yes, both are large numbers until you look at how it actually factor out to the people that are actually getting it and the corporations that, um, that it would be given to. Um, but all I see are rich people arguing about helping the poor people. Rich people argue about helping those that are struggling, aren't able to buy groceries, aren't able to pay rent, and it has actually sickened me to my core. I have never felt more discontent and more disbelief at anything in my life than I do reading that Congress is debating whether or not they should help. <laughs> um, I feel that the only way we could have gotten past this in the beginning was a complete government shutdown of everything for three weeks. Uh, help people get groceries, three weeks. Symptoms of COVID take up to 15 days to um, play out. Therefore, if people are at home for 21 days, what's going to happen to that disease if they can't interact with anybody? It, it's going to eventually fade off. And those few people who still have it can be quarantined. We have controlled the disease that has passed. However, people wanted to play around and act like it was some minor thing that was just going to go away on its own. And now it's spread out of control to where my branch at uh, the bank I work at has been closed three times 
Various other brands have been closed multiple times. Uh, numerous people are being sent home without paying, unable to take care of themselves. And it's, it's just getting disgusting. Um, we need to find some way for, legislat- for the, the legislature to pass a bill to help out with people needing to get themselves economically back in order. Um, we need to start funding more into vaccine, vaccine research because it's surprising there's not a vaccine that is completed yet. I, I've heard that they're developing, but nothing's completed because it's not on the streets. Um, and we need to try to find a way to minimize the casualties because people are still dying. The only way to do that, to do that, is honestly to shut down the government for a couple weeks so we can finally get the country back in working order. Gotcha. And, um, and that that's definitely would have probably been a better game plan for sure at the beginning than uh, what happened in, in, in reality. Um, when it comes to economic relief, uh, one idea that's been out there a lot is UBI, universal basic income, uh, perhaps a thousand a month or, or even two thousand a month for up to a year after the, uh, you know, the COVID, um, you know, I would say pandemic, I, I guess is, uh, considered over, um, how do you feel uh, about maybe a UBI or any type of cash relief to directly to the American people? I actually forgot about that entirely. My campaign manager talked to me about that for about two weeks ago. She talked about it for about an hour, like what it could do, how it could benefit. Um, honestly, I think that would be a phenomenal idea. We could help people reboost their, their personal lives, make sure that they're able to maintain their bills. That money wouldn't just go in their pockets. It would go back to the economy. That would build more jobs. It would help out with opening businesses or keeping businesses afloat. And we could essentially revive an economy that is currently dying. Um, he had sent something about $2,000 a month. I wasn't sure if that was too much. I think I know it's probably a, a lot more than I would like to admit because I feel 15, 12, 50, 15 would probably be too much too considering we're now just giving people money every single month from taxes that we're going to have to take back eventually. Um, but I do feel that a UBI would be a phenomenal idea. So honestly now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll say this and um, one, so one individual that I looked at is very seriously in this entire year when it comes to politics is uh, Andrew Yang. And, um, you know, he had a very interesting um, kind of breakdown of um, how he would want to fund UBI. And I, I don't know if this is something we could do like out the gate during COVID, but, you know, the idea would be adding a value-added tax, which I think adds, you know, about $300 billion to the, uh, to the re- total revenue of, uh, of the federal government. And, you know, that is a tax that, you know, would, would be uh, – harder for, you know, corporations and, and, and really anyone to try to get out of because every transaction um, has that value added tax uh, there. And it's something that everyone does have a slight raise in tax, but you also get $1,000 a month from your government. So um, the idea of UBI, I think, is something that's becoming more and more, I guess, accepted. And uh, my guy Yang was someone that was seeing, I guess, a, a, a fringe candidate and crazy guy saying that in, in, you know, like February of 2020. But um, 
you know, as far as um, looking ahead, you know, how do you feel, you know, things are going to turn out? And, um, you know, do, do you feel that this election, you know, could be something that um, perhaps the people of the 6th District of Alabama uh, really uh, show up for you? And uh, I know it's uh, incredible odds uh, going up against Gary Palmer, but um, do you think that you could at least, I would say, because and I, I'll admit that I, I am more on the side vote for you based on just the policies than, you know, Gary Palmer. But, you know, do you feel that this, I guess, uh, some of the ideas that you're speaking are connecting to the people of Alabama or the people that you've spoken with? I want to say yes, because my ideas aren't just coming from me. They're coming from coworkers, from family members, from friends, from strangers, from acquaintances. I, I go out and just talk to people and say, hey, what would you change? What, what would you want to see different? What do you want out of, out of our country? Most people say they're tired of being broke. <laughs> I understand that one. Yeah. But a, a lot of people just bring on the same thing of, I just want life to not be what it is. I want it to be better. I want it to, I, I don't want to struggle. And that hit me because, I mean, I'm not from a wealthy family. My family was lower to mid working class. We, we were never... Uh, super, super rich. We never really had any money. Um, I got in college my freshman year on a scholarship called the Cardinal Covenant. I beat out other people because of my grades, but you only qualify if you're at 150% poverty level. That's that's how I qualified. I was broke. We were broke, so I qualified for the scholarship. Um, I've watched people make so much out of themselves, and I've watched other people slip. And um, I feel like my platforms, my policies are are reasonable and they're relatable because I'm actually living with everyone else. We have politicians who are out there who have never struggled to the end of their life. Or we have politicians who have struggled and they've forgotten what it's like. Or we have politicians who just don't care and they're in it for themselves. And I'm wanting to change that. I'm going in on the idea that I can actually represent people and I can actually help us get back on our feet. I can give power back to the people. I can make it to where, even if I'm not doing it alone, because I promise you, I can't do it alone. I can inspire others to get in the fight too. Um, I, I feel if I could get my name out there more, if I could find a way to raise money for billboards and banners and signs, I could win. If people knew who I was, I could win, because I meet people every day and I'm like, yeah, I'm running for Congress, and they say, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, because news outlets won't talk to me. <laughs> but um, then they hear my platform, and they say they're going to vote for me, and they're strong, you know, diehard Republicans that are just tired of Gary. I feel if people knew who I was, this wouldn't just be, you know, a possibility. It'd be a guarantee. We wouldn't lose. Because people want to, if someone to represent them, actually represents them. Not someone who says they're going to represent them and have no clue what their life is like. Yeah. It's something, man. There's, um, you know, I feel like that our state, I think, um, I think it was Kyle Whitmore, man. He's a um, AL.com writer. And he had made a article that was saying the Alabama, Alabamaification of U.S., like the national politics, 
And I feel like, you know, he kind of highlighted how our home here in Alabama is kind of, it's been key to a certain type of politics that panders very heavy to the conservative side and culture wars and then culture issues when it comes to policy, especially economic policy, they only do things that benefit those at the top and they continually to do things that uh, harm those at, at the bottom and those that maybe don't have as much influence in, in Montgomery or now in Washington, DC. So, um, you know, like I said, uh, another question I wanted to ask is, you know, when it comes to the future a little bit, you know, how, how do you feel things may go here? Um, you know, perhaps after this election and beyond. So do you mean for the campaign or for America? Because well, I, 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 absolutely. I'd love to hear, I would say both, really. So for the campaign, I, I feel that if I win, I'm going to I'm gonna go back in next um, season, next campaigning season, whether I win or lose, as a Democrat. I tried to get into one of the parties earlier. Um, I found out that I needed to have $5,000 to become a nominee for the ballot, not a candidate, just a nominee. Um, and unfortunately, that's a sixth of what I make in a year. So I, I can't really just throw up two months of my my, uh, my pay and say, here you go, take it. That's, uh, it's a lot harder than that. Um, but I will be running as a Democrat. I have support now. I've met a lot of the, the Democratic Party. And I'm going to try to go as a blue dog coalitionist. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I found out, found out about them today. I was more progressive, but blue dog is um, center or center left to center mid. Or I'm sorry, center left to center right. Um, both their platforms and policies, which are right where I fall, um, and they're a democratic uh, party. And I'll be trying to fight to make a third party entirely when I get in. Because the two-party system is not working, it isn't failing, it is going to continue to fail until there is something to make people actually want to or need to change, we will never see change. So I guess the answer to what I see happening in the future coming to the campaign, um, whether I win or lose, I'll be back. I'm going to continue to do this because I want to make a difference. Um, If I do lose, I'm going to make sure I'm more prepared next time. I'll be, camp- I'll be uh, campaigning earlier. I'm going to campaign starting January 1st, 2021, if I lose. If not, my name's out there and I can start in 2022 like everyone else does. Um, and if I, that, that's if I win. Um, I'll be actively speaking out for what I believe in. If there's still, um, I haven't seen protests lately, but that's because I've been working in camp- or canvassing and campaigning. If there's still protests, I'll go back to those because I was protesting for Black Lives Matter um, recently after the George Floyd incident. I watched a lot of stuff that shouldn't have happened from our police force. So I'll be working to uh, try to help reform the police because I don't feel defunding smart, but I feel that reallocating resources maybe. <laughs> and uh, as for the future of the country, I feel that until we get people in that want to help, until we keep people in that want to fight, and until we get money and corruption out, we're going to watch our country slowly devolve into something a lot more dangerous than it needs to be. Absolutely. I um, 
you know, I, I think that this presidential election is definitely going to be, you know, really, really, I mean, obviously, you know, congressional races are very important, uh, but I feel, you know, the, the presidential election has been something I've talked about a lot here, and and uh, I think it's bound to be very interesting, um, and, and I think the future is going to be interesting, too, for you, man, and I, I look forward to looking out for you more. Uh, where can people donate or where can people really find out more information now, and I'll be sure to put those links in the uh, description of the episode. So um, we have, or my uh, campaign manager made a website. Um, I tried to make one, didn't go very well. He fixed it up for me, going better. <laughs> it's, uh, let's see if I can find it real quick. Eden Pellegrino, so K A Y N E N P E L L E G R I N O 2020.wixsite.com slash Eden Pellegrino dash one. That is uh, our current campaign page um we have a gofundme going we're just trying to raise as much as possible we've raised 60 dollars so far obviously kind of hard to campaign off 60 dollars <laughs> and um otherwise if you look up just pain and p on uh, twitter or go to my facebook pain and pellegrino 2020 um anything you need to find for our donations our websites or our platforms are on those pages wonderful uh, well, any um, you know, closing words here for, for the, the interview and um, the CC Word audience? Um, keep fighting. Don't stop believing because one day we can make this place better. And um, above all else, stay together. <laughs> we can only rely on each other. Absolutely. Kenny, I'm so excited to uh, have had you on, man. It's a great conversation. I look forward to what the future is for you. And what, uh, you know, I um, I hope to uh, to say that our country's future will be better, and we'll just have to wait and see. But, hey, I, uh, I'm i confident things will be well. And, uh, Kanan, hopefully we'll have you in Congress one day to represent us and make things well for us, you know. When we so. do, you'll be my first interview, okay? Hey, I'm excited about that. Let's have you on. But, hey, thanks for coming on, my man. Not a problem. Awesome.